on the one yard line with their backs against the wall. what's going on welcome back to the believe in iowa state podcast For, on this episode i wanted to take some time to highlight some of the events some of the items that have happened over the past couple of weeks um, i want to talk a little bit about the bowl game i know that it's kind of old news but i kind of want to give my perspective on the bowl game as well as go over some of the transfers the guys that have come into the program within these recent weeks and then take a little look ahead for the 2025 class, the prospects that we're looking at, who I think might commit, what I like about them. Just really briefly, we'll get into that more, to, more on later, later on in the year, but I just kind of want to take a little bit of time to highlight the guys who I think could be the leaders of this class and the people that we are really going after hard right now. The reason why I haven't recorded in the past maybe two weeks, it's been about two weeks, is because <laughs> I didn't think it was right. I didn't think it was right for me to record to get on here and to probably lose my cool at what transpired down in Memphis. Now, yes, the game, we were set up to have a rough game. We were playing a team with a lot of really good wide receivers, a good quarterback. We're playing in their home stadium. We didn't have the fan support that we did last time. It was cold. It was a weird game. But still, you got to be a football team. You got to button up your trim straps and get after it. But I didn't want to come on here screaming bloody murder. Go, you suck, you suck. No, no, I don't. I don't. That's that's not going to be productive. That's not going to help anybody. That's just going to make me look like an idiot. And what I will say, I kind of want to start off with this, is I've been hearing, a, like, I saw these tweets, and I know that more people are talking about it in the fan base. I saw these tweets when the game was going on that, oh, Matt Campbell doesn't care about non-conference games. Oh, this coaching staff doesn't care about non-conference games. If you have, I'll say this, and this is also what Jamie Pollard thinks. If you have a coach that doesn't care about certain games on the schedule, if he doesn't go into, he or she, excuse me, goes into a game not fully prepared, not, not thinking anything of that game, belittling that game compared to other. Now, obviously, the conference games mean more to the success of your program because you could go on to win a conference title. But if you think that when Matt Campbell was traveling to Athens, Ohio, that he didn't necessarily care as much to win that game, you're out of your skull. These coaches are the most competitive people that you would have ever met if you meet them. These people do not want to lose a drive. They get upset when they don't score in a drive. 
And they also get upset when the other team scores when, they're, when we're on defense. It bugs the crap out of them. I hear this narrative, oh, we did, 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 Matt Campbell doesn't care about beating Iowa. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. They do care about beating Iowa. They absolutely care about beating Iowa. It sucks that we haven't won that much, but they absolutely do. They absolutely do. And I tell you what, I know they were pissed off by that Memphis game. And the most important thing about that game, this is the most important thing for the future of Iowa State football. This is make or break. This is a make or break topic that I'm bringing up right now. The most critical aspect of that entire game was not necessarily the play on the field. Now, obviously, it contributes to it, duh. But the most important aspect of that game, when Matt Campbell and the rest of the coaches went into a conference room to discuss how the game went and then how the season went, and they reviewed the game, the thing that should have been written on the board, it's definitely been talked about, but what should have been written on the board was zero rushing yards, 446 passing yards. I don't care who's calling the place. As a fan, I don't care who's calling the place. As a fan, I just want them to get it right and win the game. But here's the thing. I think Rocco Becht, and I, people might call me crazy, but I'm looking at the guy, the prospect on the field, how he's playing in the moment as opposed to how this other player, Brock Purdy, was playing when he was at Iowa State. If I do the eyeball test, I think Rocco's better. Is it recency bias? Maybe, but if you haven't noticed, Brock is playing exceptionally well at the 49ers. There's not much recency bias. Rocco is not going to make the killer mistakes that Brock Purdy did. He is a very accurate quarterback, and he has better, even better arm strength than Brock Purdy. He has better pocket mobility, and I didn't know if that would be possible. It's fine to run the ball. It's absolutely fine if it works. Matt Campbell realized a little bit too late who his best player was. Rocco Becht is sensational. He's amazing. And our run game wasn't working. So when we started running when we were down double digits, it infuriated everybody. It infuriated everybody. The thing I would say, and I've noticed a pattern. I don't know why it took me this long to notice it, but I noticed the pattern. This is what engineers by trade, do, by trade do. They notice patterns. That's how they do their job. They notice a pattern, a pattern of problems, and they work to correct it. The thing I realized, and it's the thing that Matt Campbell's going to need to sit down with his staff to figure it out is the games which we have more than a week to prepare, we come out so flat. So flat. Most of the time when we come play you and I, it's bad. Bad. Like, how many times have you gone to the you and I game going, 
I gotta hold my butt because this could be a disaster. I could leave here losing to this team. I mean, it's the running joke. And you know that they prepare for Iowa all summer. Every time we come out, we can't do diddly in the first half. This year, after our bye week, I wouldn't say we struggled with Baylor. <laughs> it was not the blowout in the end that I thought it could be after the first drive. Now, Rocco came out. Well, he came out looking very good. Very good. We trusted Rocco, though. We absolutely trusted Rocco in that game. And when we started to get away from him, it's when we didn't do so hot. Rocco is very good at hiding the mistakes. But anyway, when you look at the bowl games that we've gone to, whenever we played a team with a pulse, that Oregon team, that we, we, we got up for that game. It's a fiesta bowl. But we played this Memphis team. They're a good team. Kicked our ass. Notre Dame, I will never go to a bowl game again after that Notre Dame game. I look at Tyler, and I look at him. We are dead tired because we drove down there. I look at him, I'm like, this is a mistake. This is, we, we planned on staying overnight after the game down in Florida. We just drove back after that game. We were falling asleep driving. We could not stay there. That game was awful. I don't know what, what it was about 2018, but man, we played them tough. But it just seems like ever since 2019, 2021, 2023, after these breaks, after our team gets a break, after we have time to scheme, we come out and we lay an egg. I think that that's the main thing about what this Matt Campbell coaching staff has to figure out. And hopefully it's not that hard of a fix. But after these long layoffs, maybe we're looking at ourselves in practice and going, wow, we're, we're great, but maybe we're not. Maybe we think, oh, we can definitely assert the run. Maybe we definitely can assert our will and establish the run and win the game that way. But after the first couple of drives and we're still doing it, it's like, no, it's not working. It's not working. Give it to your give it to your playmakers, players' formations, plays, and let your playmakers dictate how the game's gonna go. Abu is a great player, but when his line's a sieve, good luck. Good luck. Good luck, buddy. We're throwing you out to the wolves. I say all that with saying, I think we have the right guys for the job. I don't want them going anywhere. I think we have great coaches. I just think that part of the growing pains for especially a young staff, and this is still a young staff in terms of the life of a football coach. It's still a young staff that we're, I mean, Shieldhouse is only a couple years older than me, like 34, 35, whatever. That's a young coach. Okay. That's a young coach. We, still, we got young coaches all over the offense. Ryan Clanton is like two years older than me. I have faith that they will figure it out. 
And I hope that they figure it out. I think that the main thing that this team kind of needs to do is they need to look back and step back and go, where are the problems? And it's not necessary. It's not always the problems with certain players. It's not that a player can't play well enough. We've seen that this team can beat anybody when we're rolling. Rocco Beck is probably, I'm serious. I am serious. He's probably the best quarterback in the big 12 next year probably a top five quarterback in the country. If you want to dispute me, my DMs are open. Who is better in the Big 12? KJ Jefferson? Alan Bowman? I don't think so. I don't think so. Keaton Slovis? If he's even still coming back? Keaton Slovis? You'll never get any Avery Johnson slander on this podcast because he ha has been a former guest and he's a great kid. I just haven't seen enough yet to dictate whether he could be better or not. But at this moment, Rocco Becht is the best quarterback in the Big 12. Point blank, period. Who's better? The guy at Baylor? He's gone. Like, no, no. I don't want to hear about Jalen Daniels either. He just sat out a year. Anyway. Rocco Beck is the best player. I I have faith that the coaches will figure out, but I think that they need to take a total step back and figure out what makes a stagnant offense aside from players not being great. Because the play like because the players are fine. Did you recruit them? Did you recruit? Were they good when you recruited them? Did they all? Are they all busts? I don't think so. I don't think so. When you're playing chess and your queen and your bishops get knocked out and all you have is some horses and pawns, you still got to get creative to figure out how to win the game. You can't just go, well, I still want to play like I still have my queen, but I don't. So crap. No, you need to adjust. Need to adjust. We've seen this coaching staff adjust before. I hope they can do it again. I think they will. I think they will because they're going to be thinking about that Memphis game and how they have a quarterback break the record, break a record, and the running back get for rush for zero yards. Not his fault. Let's talk about some transfers that can pave the way for the Cyclones here. The first guy I want to talk about is the first transfer guy that came in. Kennard Snyder. Kennard Snyder is coming in from ULM, Louisiana Monroe. He, I, I look at him as not necessarily a depth guy. He's above a depth guy, depth guy. He is a guy who I feel will be, he will be in the two deep. He will get significant playing time. I think he has a year left. He's not going to be the Will McDonald sack getter that, you know, you might hope for. He's a little bit smaller, though. He's about six foot, 250 pounds. But I think he he is a pass rusher, but I think he's a supplemental pass rusher. Where our guys on the line this year were totally run stuffers, totally run stuffers. They were not excellent at uh, rushing the passer. We, we couldn't do that. It was apparent in the Memphis game we could not get to the quarterback. 
I think Kennard Snyder, he is a guy who will be a supplemental pass rusher where he can come help clean it up and create like a decoy in a sense. Like in soccer, you have your main striker and then you usually have a lot of teams have like a second striker. It's literally the position is called second striker. It's the guy who kind of, he's not the point man. Well, he, yeah, he's not like the, the target man is what they call it, where he's going to get all the header. He's going to do that. He's more of a cleaner upper. He gets volleys and that kind of stuff and is really good. I think that's kind of what we like to see. We would see with Kennard Snyder where He's not going to be the feature guy necessarily like Will McDonald, but he will be in the in a similar pass rush role as uh, any Wazarike, where they're not going to the team's not going to give all of their attention attention to Kennard Snyder, but he will be there to get some sacks throughout the season. I'm excited for this guy. I think he's going to come in and hopefully he contributes to the Iowa State Cyclones. The next guy I want to talk about is Jalen Jackson. He comes from Eastern Michigan University by way of Lamar University. So he's been at two schools already. He was at Lamar for two years, was at Eastern Michigan for two years. Now he's coming in to Iowa State and he's going, I think he has just one more year left. He's a running back from Eastern Michigan and uh, shoot how big is he he's not very big i'd probably say he's about 510 like 210 pounds this is a good running back to get in he was all all first team all mac participated for two years first team all mac improved this year uh, improved on his first year at uh, eastern michigan to his next year I think this is a very solid running back that we're getting in to help us move the chains when we need to. I don't think that this is a referendum on Abu Sama or on Carson Hansen. I just think that we have three running backs right now. We have no idea what Dylan Lee can do. We th- we have very high hopes for him, but we don't we don't what if he comes in or what ha- what what something might happen. Maybe he's not as good of a player, maybe it takes a little bit long for him to develop. He's only 18 years old. I'm not saying that's that's going to happen. Hopefully he comes in and uh, shoot an all-American. But we can't put a bunch of stock in Dylan Lee playing next year cuz it might he might need a year. I think Jalen Jackson will also be a supplemental piece. I don't know if he will be the starter necessarily. I think that that would be Abu. But Jalen Jackson will offer that second punch that we need when Abu is he's not the he's not an excellent runner between the tackles just yet. He's Abu is very good getting to the outside and in pass on pass plays where he's not the blocker. Jalen Jackson will be the tough yards guy, and I'm very excited for him to come in. That's something that we've needed. We've needed somebody who can be able to make a little bit out of no- make something out of nothing, a lot like David Montgomery did. We really need that because our line has been struggling. And that brings me to the next guy. His name is Dylan Barrett. He's a transfer from uh, Wisconsin. He's a center. I believe that Dylan Barrett will start next year. Wisconsin was very upset when they saw Dylan Barrett leave, and they were hoping that he was going to be their starting center for next year. Now he didn't want to. He didn't. 
maybe he probably didn't really want to compete for the job. I believe he only has one year left. Um, let's check that real quick. I believe that he only has one year left. Uh, but I, yeah, he has one, two years left, two years left. He could come in. He will come in and be the starting center. Very good prospect. Went to Wisconsin, learned from one of the best offensive lines in the country. I'm hopeful that he can come in and really revamp this line, but he, I believe that he will be the starting center for the Iowa State Cyclones next year. A couple guys that we're going after. One, his name is Richard Tony. I believe that he has visited already to Iowa State. He has two years left um, of his college career if he decides to transfer to Iowa State. He still has not committed anywhere yet. He's from Nevada. He's a, he's a safety. He's about six feet tall to 190 pounds. Very interesting player. Very interesting player. I would say that he probably fits the Jeremiah Cooper mold. When he comes in, he will be Jer I believe that he will be Jeremiah Cooper's backup and replacing Bl Blake Thompson and a couple of the other guys who have transferred. But I, I'm excited to see what he can do because he was a very good player at Nevada. The last guy I want to talk about is the guy that you've probably been waiting for. Like, hey, when are you going to talk about this guy? Is Bryson Rogers. Bryson Rogers has come on the podcast before. He's a true freshman. Uh, he was a true freshman this year. Will be a true sophomore next year. Transfer from Ohio State. Wide receiver. Was Rocco Beck's high school teammate. About six foot one, 170 pounds. Really good route runner. Very fast. Great ball skills. All of it. You name it. He went to Ohio State for a reason. Excellent player. Bonafide four-star. I think this is a battle between Iowa State and Florida. I think UCF, that ship has sailed. I think this is a battle between Iowa State and Florida. And if Rocco Beck can lure his high school friend over. I think... I would guess that I don't know where he's going to go. I would guess he takes a couple more days to figure it out and then decides to commit. I don't know where he's going to go. I'm sure he's talked to Rocco about it. I mean, come on. We've already had Christmas. I'm sure they've met up down in Florida. They're both down there right now. I'm sure they've met up. I don't know where he's going to go. We really could use his services. He would be an instant starter for us. Instant starter for us. It would be him, Jalen Knoll, and Jaden Higgins starting. It's really dependent on what he values. If he's valuing playing time or valuing playing near his family. But I don't know if he'll be immediately on the field if he goes to Florida. It's up to him, though. If he wants to decide and develop down there with a kind of a blue blood program, or if he wants to come up to play at Iowa State with his high school quarterback. It's a very tough decision for him, not even going to lie, and I really hope that he comes here. I have no idea where he's going to go, though. I would expect for him to announce within the next couple of days, though. Let's take a quick look at the 2025 prospects that I want to talk about. Just a few guys. I don't really want to go into it too much. Because I don't want to 
there's a lot of moving parts here. Um, for instance, a guy like Pierce Mooberry, who's a, a linebacker from Millard uh, North in Nebraska, he just got a Nebraska offer. So that muddies the waters a lot for us to land a linebacker out of Nebraska. But I think that the guys that I want to talk about, the guys I want to highlight, are a lot of the in-state guys and guys with ties to Iowa State. The first guy would be Alex Mansky, quarterback out of Algona, Iowa. Really, really good quarterback. I mean, I don't know how we keep getting these types of quarterbacks in the state of Iowa. Like, But this kid is really really good really good he has he just got an offer from texas a&m and he took a visit down there would i be worried about texas a&m not at the moment not at the moment just yet they're they're feeling out who they want for their quarterback down there mike elko is looking around he's trying to establish himself so he's covering all the bases he's looking at every quarterback that he likes I don't, I don't know who Texas A&M has circled, but the fact that Alex Mansky's on their radar, he's on Blue Blood's radar, tells me, this kid, my eyes don't deceive me, this kid is legit. And he has a friend on his team, Jack Limbaugh, who's a defensive lineman, also out of Algoma High School, who is also a three-star prospect. I think Jack Limbaugh will stay in the Midwest within like the the states bordering the state of Iowa. I think that he will either be a cyclone or a hawkeye. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to like a Nebraska or like a a Minnesota or Kansas or something. But Jack Limbaugh, I he's he is our top defensive line recruit for 2025 really good player, really athletic, multi-sport athlete. I really hope that we get both of these Algona kids. They are really, really good talents, and we would probably recruit them even if they weren't in the state of Iowa. Two guys that I want to talk about are both wide receivers in the state of Iowa. The first one is Xavier Robinson out of Valley High School. Everybody's heard about him, about six feet tall. He got hurt last season, so he didn't play. But, man, this kid is very, very athletic. Really, really good prospect. We don't really get very many wide receiver prospects like him in the state of Iowa. He will be the target man. He will be the X at any school that he goes. Very good playmaker. Another guy is, I believe it's pronounced Loudon Grimsley. Wide receiver out a lot in high school. In Iowa, the thing you need to know about this guy, speed, speed, speed. He does not have an offer to Iowa State just yet, but I would imagine that he will get one when he comes to camps. He has an offer from Indiana, though, but this guy is blazing fast, blazing fast. Might be one of the fastest wide receivers in the country. Runs like a 4-3, bona fide 4-3. Really, really solid player. I hope that we offer him, and man, he would be a special addition to a wide receiver core that is now trying to get faster. Recruit those guys who are in the 10-7 range. I think this guy's more in the 10-6, 10-5 range. The last guy I want to talk about before we wrap this up is Trey Poteet, cornerback out of Verona High School in Wisconsin. His father 
is the cornerback coach for Iowa State. Will that move the needle? I'm not sure because he has offers everywhere. He's a four-star cornerback, plays all the positions that you could play on the football field, but he he's a really, really outstanding corner, and that's probably the position that he will find in college. We'll keep I'll keep you posted on that one. Really good player. It's just going to depend if he wants to play with his father coaching him or not. If that's not a big deal, I'm not so sure he will come to Iowa State. But if that's something that he values, I think Iowa State will be in the race the entire time. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have fun at the Oklahoma State uh, basketball game. I don't really talk too much about basketball and might need to bring on a guest if I ever talk about that. Um, but man, Tuesday was fun. Tuesday was a lot of fun. I think the sky's the limit for this team. They keep getting better. Once these guys start to really learn what their roles are, when Kayshawn Gilbert really learns his role and gets comfortable with Big 12 basketball, sky's the limit. We're going to crush these teams. And I'm not just singling him out. That's everybody. Pavletsky, Curtis Jones. They just haven't played in this before. Once they learn their role, boy. Once Curtis Jones learned his role in the non-conference, he was shooting lights out. When the guys try to do too much and play hero ball, that's when they mess up. That's when they mess up. When these guys start to learn what they can and can't do, and how they need to operate in the team. And it takes time with any player. I'm not just singling out these guys. Any player. I mean, we saw it with Robert Jones. We saw it with Hassan Ward last year. We saw it with this guy, that guy, and the other guy. When they start to learn their role, boy, the sky's the limit. Boy, the sky's the limit. If we come out and punk this Oklahoma State team, I think we could see a pretty, pretty good rolling off some games here. Kansas looks beatable. Texas looks beatable. We're coming for everything. Cyclones versus the world. I think that's a great spot to stop the podcast. Anyway, guys, hope you're driving safe. It's about to get really, really cold. I'm not leaving my my house for like three days. You're probably like, you leave your house, you hermit? Yes, I leave my house. Anyway, guys, have a wonderful day. Go Cyclones. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.